It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my guest is Avi Khan. Avi leads Hilti's North American operations as president and chief executive officer. He oversees business units in the United States, Canada, the Caribbean, and Guam. He joined Hilti back in 2004 as a territory sales rep for construction in San Francisco. From there, he was promoted to regional manager for San Diego and Hawaii. And in 2008, Avi took on greater responsibility as a Chicago-based West Great Lakes division manager. In January 2011, Avi took on an international assignment when the organization named him president of Hilti Canada. Avi Khan, welcome into the corner office. Thank you for having me. It's uh, great to be on your podcast. Ah, it's wonderful to have you here. And, and you know, this is so unique. As we spoke uh, about a month or so ago when we first talked about it, I think you're the very first CEO that I've had that's come in at kind of a territory sales rep level, which was pretty much, I suppose, entry level in the sales organization and made it all the way to CEO within 15 years. So first of all, congratulations on that. And we'll spend a little bit of time understanding that because it's so unique and so wonderful to see that today. Uh, not too many folks stay as long as you have and certainly, you know, really kind of start at those very entry levels and make it all the way to the top. So um, very, very interesting to tell your story, but uh, or hear your story rather, but what we like to start with is, is kind of the early years. Tell us a little bit about growing up and, you know, what your early family life was like. Sure. So uh, originally I'm from Israel. That's ah, where right. I uh, grew up uh, yeah. as the second of uh, seven children. Wow. So uh, definitely a very uh, dynamic big family. Uh, household, <laughs> very, very big family, uh, very proud of uh, all my brothers and sisters, all mm. of uh gone on to uh, graduate at least from uh, college, most of them more, and doing very well in their respective uh, fields. Did your family uh, immigrate entirely to the U.S., or did you come later in life? Yeah, it's a, kind of an interesting story because uh, my uh, grandparents immigrated to huh. the United States from Europe. My father was born here. Right. He uh, moved to Israel in the early 70s. Uh, and then that's where we all grew up. But later right. on in life, I left, but I left on my own and came came over here. Yeah, yeah. Did your undergraduate uh, studies, I think, here as well, if I recall from your bio? 
Yeah, I did my undergraduate studies in Israel and my MBA here MBA in here. the United awesome. States. Yeah. Awesome. Well, going back to those early years, what were some of the, you know, key inspirations or the folks that maybe influenced you most uh, as you were growing up, particularly being one of the oldest of the of the of the family? Yeah, being the second oldest of seven, everybody had to pitch in, everybody had right. to help and assume their responsibility uh, also for the younger uh, siblings, which I actually enjoyed. And uh, right. through high school, I actually made a little bit of money. One of my first jobs was uh, babysitting for, <laughs> for other families that saw me communicate and work with my younger yeah. uh, brothers and sisters. Um, it was always assumed and expected that uh, you would... Uh, devote yourself to your schooling and, and continue on to to college and to university. And that's a lot of credit to my parents, but also yeah. grandparents. And uh, I would say my father was a, a lawyer, uh, mm -hmm. had his own uh, practice, his own office. So also watching that responsibility of uh, providing for such a right. large family right. also very much shaped my experiences. Well, I'm sure you've learned a lot about teamwork too. I know how much of a community Hilti North America America is and the research that I've done. Um, it sounded like, uh, you know, you were certainly one of the captains or the co-captains. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I enjoyed uh, watching my dad at work and even uh, helping him uh, with some office work through right. uh, through the summers. Uh, but uh, it was a, a great opportunity and a great experience to, to step up and be part of that household. Right, right. Dad was a professional. Mom worked at home and took care of the children. Uh, she did in the early years, and then yeah. as we grew up and were able to help, she went back to school to complete her degree and Good then started to develop her own uh, professional career. I wish I could say that links to my work in uh, diversity and inclusion today, but uh, <laughs> I did have a lot of respect for that tenacity after yeah. raising seven kids to go back wow. to school and then start to develop a career again. What a role model. That's fabulous. Must have been a good role model for a lot of your sisters as well, too. Yeah, absolutely. I have uh, three sisters, all with moms that balance also professional mm. career. And uh, she was a very, very strong role model to them. Now, have they all remained in Israel? Or are you the only one that came over? Or is it kind of a mixed bag? It's a mixed bag. I have a yeah. sister that uh, followed me to uh, to Dallas. It's mm -hmm. certainly a thriving region with a lot of opportunities. And having a family member here, I think, helped her That's make nice. that decision. Yeah. And yeah. then I have a brother that lives in the UK, but the rest of the family is still back He's still there. there. Yeah. So growing up in Israel, were you a good student? I would say I was a good student in the subjects that uh, piqued my interest. Uh, <laughs> a very not, common response, I might add. <laughs> yeah, and not in all areas. And uh, I definitely... Um, I definitely could have done a better job uh, making the teacher's life easier, <laughs> but uh, I got through. What were the areas that were of most interest to you growing up in school? Uh, you know, I... Uh, very much enjoyed, especially in high school, uh, topics like uh, sociology, mm. psychology that I, yeah. I chose to to major in. I found them very interesting. I loved history. I still do. Uh, so those were, mm. were topics that I was more naturally drawn to. Yeah, awesome. And uh, what kind of things outside of class, uh, other than babysitting, and we'll get into some of your other entrepreneurial areas, were you involved in sports, music, theater? 
Yeah, I was always uh, very involved in uh, in sports, uh, mm-hmm. both myself actively as a player. Unfortunately, a shorter career than I would have liked, uh, but uh, still very active today. Right. And then uh, also very much as a fan. Uh, from a young age, I still remember my dad took me to my first uh, basketball game. That mm-hmm. was my early passion. Later uh-huh. on, moving here, also got into other sports like hockey and football. So I very much enjoy sports. It's also, I have two sons, so it's right. a great way to bond with them and to do stuff as a family. Absolutely. And you mentioned uh, babysitting. Any other kind of entrepreneurial things you were doing when you were growing up to earn some pocket money? Yeah, so I did that to to try and uh, earn some money through school. But no, I couldn't say that I was one of these guys that uh, had their first lemonade stand at eight <laughs> and it went national as a franchise by the right. age of 12. Right. That really or had the paper me. route. Yeah, uh, probably exactly. not too many paper routes in Israel in those days. <laughs> well, actually, it's interesting you mentioned a paper route because uh, selling newspaper subscriptions ah. was my okay. first uh, sales job. Ah, excellent. Um, it actually, I was quite successful in that. And that's what I think opened my mind into a potential into career in sales. Yeah. Was that during high school or your college years? Yeah, it was uh, through high school or the final year of high school Fantastic. and before going into my uh, mandatory military service. Uh, there was actually some training provided, which was very helpful. Oh, and the key thing that stuck with me from that training is to ask questions. Right. And uh, that's simply what I did. Engage people, ask them, do you read the paper every day, which today sounds very antiquated. (laughs) And would you like to get it delivered to your front door, which was, you know, we all know about paper routes, but in Israel at that time, it was uh, relatively a new concept of uh, newspaper delivery. And I realized very quickly that if you sit behind the desk that was provided with the sales booth, you weren't going to sell too many subscriptions. But if you engage people in that conversation, the more no's I got, the the closer I got to the yeses. That's right. And uh, by the end of that day, when I turned in the subscriptions, I was able to secure the supervisor for that area told me that I had sold more in my first day than anybody has ever done in one day. So it really gave me the confidence that uh, maybe this is something I could look into. Yeah. Yeah. And so it wasn't a door-to-door type of cold calling. It was a booth somewhere? Actually, uh, it was a combination. So Uh the first day was in a booth uh, because they were happy with my results and they offered me to stay on. Uh, Some of the um, sales were door to door. It's a little bit more tricky because you're interrupting people in their personal times and dinners and such. And so you have to be very polite, very respectful and accept that that's a very low hit rate. Right. Um, sure. And uh, but I was uh, also successful with that. Just the the hit rate, the success rate is a little bit different. Well, you know, the art of cold calling, uh, I think, hopefully will never die because uh, it really is at the heart of good prospecting, isn't it? Did you learn yeah. quite a bit about that? Absolutely. I, I learned about it firsthand that if people yeah. perceive that you had something that they want, if they were really intrigued by the idea of getting the paper delivered to their house, they would interrupt their dinner. They would stop what they were yeah. doing to talk to you. If they weren't interested, they could be totally alone and bored and they still didn't want to talk to you. And I try <laughs> to reflect on that also today at Hilti. We truly have something to offer to our customers because they're all concerned with the safety and productivity of their crews on job sites. So even when we're cold calling, even when we take them away from their task that they have on hand that they're doing, 
we truly can create more value for them mm. if we are allowed the opportunity to get to know them and understand their needs. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So you mentioned you did your undergraduate in Israel and then came here for your graduate work. H- were there a lot of choices with regards to where to go to college in Israel at the time? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's a, a country where many uh, people, a huge percentage of the population invest in their edu- education and continues right. on. So you have public schools, you have private schools. Mm. Uh, I decided to get a business degree, right. um, thinking about a potential career in sales and, and in marketing. Initially, I was going to major in uh, in marketing, but uh, this is the early 2000s, so right. everybody is uh, consumed by the dot-com boom, so I right, decided right. to go for uh, <laughs> concentration in information technologies. I did, never leveraged it uh, in my career, so I didn't really go and work for a tech company, right. but I have zero regret uh, mm. doing that because I have a lot of appreciation for our IT teams, for our software teams, reflecting right. on the, the cycle that it takes to develop a system, mm. what's required. I have a basic understanding, and that helps me also in my role today. Right. Also teaches you logic, right, and how to think through problems. Did you find that was helpful in that? Absolutely. A logic mm-hmm. and that any demand, any request can be put into a, a process and a flow. Right. And you can then dissect the problem in a way that's manageable. Uh, you can't design a system uh, without beginning with the end in mind. That's right. But then you That's have right. to break it down to the, the various pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So um, came immediately to the U.S. after you uh, finished your undergrad or did you work for a bit before you came over? Yeah, I actually uh, started in a sales job almost immediately after uh, finishing my military service mm-hmm. and then combined that with going uh, full-time to school. Uh, so I spent uh, five years in a combination of a couple of years as a uh, sales representative mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. uh, rest of the time as a sales manager, working for a very small organization of about 30 people and managing a small sales team of four. That was Texma, Texma Chemicals? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. I've seen that in your background. So then it was after that, then you left and came to study in the U.S.? Exactly. What was the motivation around that? Yeah, while uh, going to school, I went to a private school in Israel called the IDC, the Interdisciplinary Center. Mm -hmm. They have a partnership with uh, the Leiakoka Institute at uh, Lehigh University in Pennsylvania. And so I spent the summer there at a program called the Global Village. It runs to this day. Every summer it brings together about 100 students from uh, dozens of countries around the world. Nice. And uh, it was very eye-opening. I wanted to test and see could I operate in the United States in an international setting and how would I fit in? And it was a very successful experience. Um, An added bonus was that that's where I met my wife. And she's... Her name is Marianne. She's originally right. from Canada. Uh, that was a pretty uh, major motivation to, uh, <laughs> to move over. <laughs> to come to North America, right? Yeah. So we spend a little bit of time in uh, Calgary, Alberta, where she's from. And then we uh, moved to San Francisco, California, where I nice. started my first sales job. Yeah. yeah. So do you remember the first time you started managing people? I'm assuming it was at Texma, correct? In Israel? It was yeah. in Israel. Yeah. It was a very small team. To be honest with you, my reflections on that time only came when I became a regional manager 
in Hilti. I uh, right. moved to uh, San Diego from San Francisco yeah. to, to take on that role and uh, immediately was enrolled in the leadership classes that Hilti offers, uh, mm. foundations of sales management. It's a week-long class for new managers, selecting the right people, which helps you with interviewing and how to create mm. the right atmosphere for people, leading for results, which is all about building performance plans and a variety of others. It's only then that I realized in my previous job in a company that I'm very grateful for, gave me my first professional opportunity and my first leadership opportunity, I had to lead a lot based on intuition. Mm, and course. my intuition yeah. wasn't always wrong, <laughs> but at a, at Hilti, what's, what's so great when you get a leadership experience with a company like us is it's coupled with all the training and support you mm. need to be successful in the leadership role. And that's when I realized I actually lacked some fundamentals. I can give you one uh, quick example. Yeah, please do. I used to interview people with the mindset that your resume in front of me probably does not entirely reflect reality and maybe you rounded a couple of corners. So <laughs> I dedicated a lot of the interview into trying to get to the truth. Mm. And when I came to Hilti, I realized that an interview is an exercise in trying to tell the future. And mm. while none of us have a crystal ball, we try to look at what did you do in the past? How did you right. tackle certain problem. What was the context? What action did you do? What result did it lead to? Did you display learning agility? Did you display a passion for results mm. and ability to develop people? And with that, how great could you be one day wow. if you joined our organization? And that was a fundamental shift for me yeah. in the way I interviewed and approached recruiting. I know that's a topic that's very close to your heart. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's a wonderful perspective. And that's a good thing to learn early on. I'm sure it's helped you in your career as you've built out your teams. Yeah, especially nowadays when I try to attract executives into the right. organization right. or even at lower levels, people have options today. The sure. un unemployment is <laughs> it's low. It's a very I tight need, job market. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to tell you. Oh, no. And <laughs> as much as we're evaluating them and trying to figure out, uh, are they the right people to join right. our organization? They're, They're evaluating the us. And More so we, than ever. Yeah. We judge our leaders on also the ability to attract talent mm -hmm, into the mm -hmm. organization. And for that, you need to be an effective interviewer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thinking about those early days, Texma as well as Hilti, what, what were some of the leadership lessons you learned from, from bosses and mentors? And, you know, it could be good, it could be bad, no names need to be mentioned, but for obvious reasons, sometimes some of those examples of, of poor behavior are some of the long lasting. I know that's been my case. Yeah, that's very true. I will say very openly that I learned more about what not to do. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, working for others, it's a wonderful opportunity to watch and observe and, and see behaviors that you like mm -hmm. and intend to repeat. But when you have negative experiences, uh, I actually think that negative experiences as a team member uh, at whatever level are just as critical, just yeah. as important because they remind you what not to do when people report to you. Uh, one early lesson for me was that managing people in the way you want to be managed is not always effective. Perhaps <laughs> Absolutely. You're Cookie an individual. Approach. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So perhaps you're a person that appreciates brutal facts and just yeah. honesty uh, or you're a person that appreciates very close contact with whoever they report to, that doesn't mean that everybody else appreciates it yeah. either. To me, leadership is uh, simply about understanding that the world is bigger than you. 
Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you have three people working for you or 30,000. And when, as a leader, that's not your guiding principle, I think that's extremely clear and extremely apparent. And uh, that's probably the biggest lesson that I've always tried to keep yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Any, uh, any kind of worst lesson you've ever picked up along the way from previous bosses? Yeah, unfortunately, it'd be the opposite of what I yeah, just said. I think yeah, when you put yourself behavior. first yeah. and not the team and not the organization, I, I've seen that. I think when you don't realize the power of your team, and that's mm. something I've really tried to do. And one of the things I enjoy in my current role, and also when I was the general manager for Hilti in Canada, is if you have experts that are on your team um, in their respective fields, logistics, human resources, finance. Um, If if you don't leverage them, then shame on you because they're there because you believe that they know the topic better than you. And if you are always attempting to be uh, more knowledgeable and more in the details than them, then I question why you need them. And yeah. I really enjoy working with people that know more than me, that are in the detail. Mm. And then it's my responsibility to ensure they, their activities fit into our overall goals that we're trying to achieve. Awesome. Sounds like you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. Actually, I believe that you don't want to be the smartest <laughs> guy in the room. Our, Good point. Touche. Uh, the son of our founder, uh, Michael Hilty said once that his goal is always to hire people that are smarter, smarter than, than him. him. Yeah. Otherwise, why would he need to pay them? He can just do the job himself. So, <laughs> you know, I'm happy to say that I'm uh, seldom the smartest person yeah. in the room. We have an extremely talented team that I'm I'm very privileged to work yeah. with. That's awesome. Well, you've been a little over 15 years with Hilti, and we touched on that a little bit in the intro. And as I said, rarely in my podcast have I found someone coming in as a territory sales rep, which I'm assuming was, you know, pretty much an entry level sales job, was it not? Yeah, it was an entry level yeah. sales job, and that's where many of our team members uh, start sure. engaging directly with customers working on job sites. Awesome. Did you ever think you'd be CEO of Hilti one day? Uh, no. Uh, when I, <laughs> you know, I'm very privileged to be the region head and CEO for our North American right. organization. And uh, when I first started, our current uh, region head and CEO at the time uh, used to record messages, phone mm. messages, very similar to podcast today, right. with an update uh, on our business. That would uh, go out to everyone, right? Yes, right. on yeah. a monthly yeah. on a monthly basis. Right. And I would be lying through my teeth if I would say that as I was driving my truck around San Francisco, I was envisioning that one day I'd, <laughs> You'd be I'd doing the same. Him. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fabulous. Well, you obviously had a terrific career path, region manager, general manager, rather division manager, general manager. You know, were you mentored along the way? You know, what is kind of the culture with regards to promotion? Is it is it pretty much from within at Hilti or uh, was yours kind of a rare case in terms of your advancement? Yeah, I think that's what's uh, so exciting and so uh, unique here about mm. Hilti, you know. If 15 years ago I made the decision to join almost any other organization, I doubt that today I would be able to say that I'm part of the global executive management team Mm. responsible for a business of over $1.5 billion with Mm. nearly 4,000 team members. We do promote from within. 90% of our promotions go to internal team members. And as new team members join us every month, as people listening to this might 
may be considering career with mm-hmm. Hilti. Yeah, we <laughs> or have just very, joined. <laughs> yeah, or have just joined us, perhaps. We are very serious about promoting from within. Mm. We take risks on internal people, as evident with my career path. But then exactly as you asked, we couple it with mentorship. And as I said before, training. We have training at all levels of the organization. Entry level is two to three months new regional mm. managers. We're working currently on our director training. We have an introductory program for our new general manager. So every step of the way, you're mentored and, and coached and supported to ensure the best chances of success. I'm honestly not that unique. Okay, perhaps I went mm-hmm. a step mm-hmm. or two more than some, but our new uh, general manager that we just appointed for our Canadian market organization started as an engineering intern. Our wow. general manager for our East market organization, our largest uh, market that we have, uh, Mike McGowan is his name, started as a store employee wow. in Washington, D.C., and has built a wonderful career. We have... So many examples of that. Now, how far people go depends on their uh, personal situation, their willingness to move and be right. flexible. Right. A lot can be said also just simply for timing in a, in yeah, a career development and being at the right place at the right time. But we, we have excellent uh, internal development stories that we're very proud of. Well, and it sounds like training is a big part of it. You touched on that a little bit earlier on about some of the training that you had. Is that a a very proactive part of your development program internally? It's a very proactive part Mm. of our development program. We bring uh, over 1,400 people into Tulsa, Oklahoma to our operations Mm. center every year for training. It's a very structured program for the first year of employment, not just the initial period of training, but team members also come back, very focused on leadership development and skills development. Where we feel we need to supplement it from the outside, we do that and Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. get help. Recently with the program we ran for selling to executives, but understanding between a team leader and a team member what are the development opportunities for that team member? And then coupling that with training and with other experiences is core to our people development Mm. processes. So beyond kind of the onboarding induction phase, training follows the executives, it sounds like, along the way, tailored to their specific needs as they grow? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's the, Mm -hmm. the power of having open development discussions that allow uh, jointly to assess where are those development needs and what will it require for that team member to continue to be successful in their current job or right. prepare for a future job if that's their aspiration. You know, and unfortunately, so much of that's been lost. It's wonderful to see it at Hilti. I grew up in a company, Procter & Gamble, which I'm sure you know, where in those days it was also promote from within. I never had a boss that hadn't been, you know, in the job before me and uh, those that worked along the way. And they as well had a very you know, consistent, every step of the way training and development program. And, you know, you just don't see a lot out these days. So I really want to commend you. Is that a global uh, objective with Hilti or is that unique to North America? Oh, it's certainly uh, global. We are Mm. part of the Hilti group and we follow those people processes that we have around the world. We have never had a CEO or an executive board member 
or an executive management team member that have not been promoted from right, within yeah. also yeah. on a global level. Of course, we supplement the excellent internal development with a very targeted, very specific senior recruiting from the outside. Sure. But once we bring them in, we then we never hire them just for that first job. Right. Also with senior people that join us, we look to see uh, how can we build that into a long-term career together. How do you kind of interview against culture? Because you have a very unique one. Do you do that personally? Do you uh, rely on others in your organization? Do you have a filter at which you can kind of determine the type of people that are going to fit the Hilti North American culture? Yeah, we uh, we do have a very, very unique, very strong culture that um, started with the family. And mm-hmm. they're still a huge uh, supporter as the sole owner of the company. The Hilti Family Trust is our sole owner. And right. the Hilti family uh, is very keen on preserving our corporate culture. Our interview processes are fairly structured with clear guides and uh, predefined questions. Questions about the culture are very prominent in there. We have four mm-hmm. core values teamwork, courage, commitment, and integrity. Mm-hmm. And we certainly check for them with experiences, with how did you deal uh, with the situation where perhaps your values were questioned? Mm. How important is it to for you to work for an organization with clear values? Questions along lo- those lines allow us to check for that and to make sure for the team member that this is an right. environment where they'll thrive in. They, yeah. it feels right for them, they fit in, and that they can thrive. Yeah, that's awesome. And and uh, you said family owned. What, what generation is the trust now in terms of the family members? Is it second, third, fourth, fifth? Yeah, we're already into the third generation. Third generation. We're, we're wow. Very proud of that. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. You know, I think the numbers are only thirty three percent of companies make it from first to second. 13 from second to third. I think it's 3% beyond that. So uh, that's quite a unique uh, opportunity. And, and where is the company headquartered overall? Is it North America or is it outside? So the company is headquartered in uh, Liechtenstein. That's where the family, the Hilti family is from. That's where the company was founded 78 years ago. And our headquarters is there uh, still to this day, a very important part of our group where core functions reside, where R&D, the majority of research and development activities take place and where the majority of the management team also resides. Uh, We're very proud of the fact that we're into the third generation, but um, we don't see that stopping. The family trust, it's a very unique uh, setup that we have for ownership, is tasked with ensuring the longevity and sustainability of the Hilti group. That's the main goal. And so with that in mind, there's there's a really strong uh, belief and and feeling that the organization will continue to thrive for generations to come. That's awesome. Terrific. Well, kind of back to you a little bit, and uh, thank you so much. It's great to learn more about Hilti, and those that are listening, I'm sure, will be looking you up and learning more about the company and the culture. Fantastic organization. Tell us a little bit about how your leadership uh, evolved over time, Avi. I think leadership... To me, as I said before, I don't think titles and scope mm. matter so much. But one thing that does evolve over time is you start to um, manage more and more senior people. I really had to evolve and learn to do a better job of empowering people mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and enabling them and see right. my role more as setting the long-term direction, making sure they have the resources they need to be successful, aligning and checking with them that their activities together with their team are also aligned to what we're trying to do. 
But when you're managing uh, first-line employees, they're very happy if mm. you're heavily involved in their in their work and enabling their success. You have to adjust as as you move on. I also had to evolve in in understanding that you really have to focus your efforts in in the areas that really matter. Right. As as your teams that you manage become larger and more complex, you can't be involved in every decision. You can't work on everything. Your word has more meaning, mm. but you have limited interactions. So those limited interactions with the team members really need to matter and need to be focused on the areas that you're trying to make a difference. And I would say the last uh, one that I would mention where I think my leadership style has evolved is uh, partnering with Catalyst and uh, going through the MARC, Men Advocating mm. Real Change Experience mm. for Diversity, yeah. has really caused me to change my approach over the last four or five years to diversity and inclusion. Oh, that's awesome. So was that an outside program you were involved with or some, it was an in internal? Yeah, it was you? an outside program. Mm -hmm. Catalyst is the leading non-for-profit that's uh, invested into promoting women and especially women of color in the mm -hmm. workplace. Mm -hmm. And the MARC experience is about exposing men to the opportunity that they have as leaders to advance women in the workplace. That's awesome. With and that, that's M-A-R-C or M-A-R-K? Oh, Mark, M-A-R-C, Men M -A -R -C. Advocating Real yeah. Change. Man yeah, it's, uh, I can say I, I signed up as a Champion for Change CEO, and if anybody looks that up online, yeah. I'm humbled to be with a wonderful group of, of CEOs, true leaders in the industry, some real household names that many yeah. people recognize that have signed up to, to support this initiative. It also taught me a lot about inclusion and how to be right. a more inclusive leader as well. Right. Awesome. Awesome. Terrific. Well, Mark and, and Catalyst will certainly note that for our, our listeners. A um, couple more questions. You've been very generous with your time, but I want to just kind of touch on a little bit about, you know, when... When it's time to micromanage or when to stay out of the sandbox, how do you kind of work with your people? Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent question. To me, there's always two things that dictate that. First and foremost, it's the, the team member or leader that you're working with. Their development in that given area uh, and, and their state of mind, right. for me, dictates a lot the need to step in or not. And the second one is perhaps more obvious. It's it's uh, the results. So if mm. things are going well, and if the right activities are leading for the right results, there's less of a need to step in. <laughs> Stay out of the way. But right. when when <laughs> things uh, don't work or not the right activities is uh, are in place, I believe that's the right time to start yeah. to dig a bit deeper. Right. Do you have a dashboard? You know, how do you kind of monitor and and follow the KPIs or the metrics of your uh, particular your, your your top executives and those report to you. Yeah, Hilti is a very process-driven organization, mm -hmm. and we have many reports from daily to annual reports that are are available at, at any given point in time. To supplement all of that, though, and to to put it all together, each of my executives designs their own mm. one page. It's just one page, very short summary every month. What's on track? Mm. what's behind and what requires immediate attention and what is their next month outlook. So it's a very simple green, yellow, four red box, <laughs> green, yellow, red, yeah, and what's yeah. the outlook. And it allows us to have very effective communications mm. awesome. uh, with one another 
uh, given that the team is is not all sitting here with me in Plano, Texas. Yeah, but you sit down once a month and go through that with them at least. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, terrific. Well, last question we ask all our CEOs uh, on the on the show, Avi. You know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone that has their own eyes on the corner office, whether they realize they may make it there or not? You know, we may have a territory sales rep listening to this on the road right now who's working for either your organization or perhaps another. And you know, what are the kind of things that have really been kind of your true north that's guided you uh, along the way? Yeah, I think, first of all, we, because we're an organization that promotes from within, we mm-hmm. love team members that are driven and want to achieve. So I never try to curb the enthusiasm of our team members or anybody else listening. I think it's great to be motivated and driven and strive to be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. I think the first step is to find the right organization where you can do that. Yeah. Uh, I believe that's just my opinion that doing that in a building a career in a sustainable way with one organization is more effective as you're trying to build a career than moving between mm-hmm. organizations. And yeah. I think it has to be the right organization that wants to promote from within, that would celebrate that success, that would invest in that particular person and right. would give them the opportunities to advance. I also believe striking the balance between doing the task at hand, executing mm. your job that you're supposed to do while working on your personal development. You know, we have mm. team members that work extremely hard at their sales or management job and take advantage of our generous educational reimbursement program and mm. get their degree while working for us. Oh, Balancing fabulous. the two yeah. is a challenge, but if yeah. you're able to do both, you can be successful. We don't advocate just go do your job because then you'll wake up three years later and say, <laughs> I joined this organization to to move on. Why am I still in the same job? But we also don't advocate just always look for the next promotion because you have to deliver. We look for people that can achieve outstanding results and develop right. their people. And I think if you balance the two, you can be successful. Last but not least, mm. I am a big believer in hard work. And hard yeah. work is okay, it's the hours, it's the time you give to to the job for sure. But I believe it's it's just as important to also be in the moment, in the time that you mm. do give to your job, however many hours, however many days a week, be in the moment during that time, engage right. with people, focus on the conversation, don't be let present. your mind wander, yeah. don't get distracted, and then you can be successful. Avi Khan, CEO at Hilti North America, thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. It was my pleasure. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 